What pastors miss by not being a people person, the importance and benefits of that strong one-on-one relationship stuff. Coming up here on the Better Sundays podcast at reachkeep.com. Welcome to the Better Sundays podcast, focused, practical, and usable advice for church leaders looking to reach new young families and impact their community. Well, greetings, greetings, greetings. Today we are talking about a very important topic, and that is some relational stuff. And as we cover communications for leaders, one of the most important things we can do is learn how to communicate one-on-one, face-to-face. And we're going to talk about what happens when you miss out on some of those things as a pastor in fact you might be called preacher at your church uh, many times we find our identity in what happens behind the pulpit and the, when we're there talking to the entire crowd and there's a lot of good that can go on and believe me I, I love preaching and I love to hear it and I work on it hard and make my messages good but that is not the only kind of communication we have today we're going to talk about on what you miss by not being a people person and being able to have strong one-on-one relationships uh, with the people in your church. So let's jump right into things here in just a second, except for the introduction, of course, is Mike Holmes here, uh, founding pastor of Sinclair Baptist Church. Not sure if you've been on one of our podcasts or not. We've had a lot of new subscribers lately, and I appreciate that. So many of you are new, uh, but I'm the guy that started the church out here in Wyoming. We have a good, vibrant local church. I'm very excited. Turned it over to a younger guy not too long ago, and uh, I'm able to spend a lot more time uh, creating flourishing churches rather than just creating flourishing believers like we have in our own local church. So uh, I'm excited about things. I got some good uh, uh, good tips here, some things we're going to be working on, and so uh, welcome aboard. Thank you for uh, joining us. If this is uh, the kind of thing that you like, give us the old thumbs up there somewhere or mash that uh, thumbs up button or whatever the other, uh, uh, the subscribe thing, a little uh, red box down the corner there uh, if this is helpful to you. If it's not helpful to you, then just... Uh, move on and uh, catch some good John Wayne videos on YouTube or something like that. I'm sure you'll find something to watch. Uh, But if you like training and if you like to sharpen your axe and if you like to just really constantly improve, uh, especially in the arena of the local church and and reaching young families in the local church, then you are at the right place. And uh, we try to produce, uh, this is a podcast, goes out as a podcast as well. You can find it at the Better Sundays podcast, but we also pump this out out onto YouTube, and uh, that's where we've been getting most of our uh, mojo here lately. A lot of people watching, uh, very excited about that. So, hey, let's just jump into things, what you miss, okay? And uh, there are some things that you can certainly miss, um, you know, and here is the first one that I wrote down in my notes. You miss, you know, if you're not a a one-on-one person, um, and, and you're just a pulpiteer, and by the way, I... I don't think that that's totally wrong. I mean, I, I want you to be balanced in all of those things, but I've, I've met many guys that are great preachers, and they have other people that kind of do the one-on-one stuff. But you're going to miss out on a few of these beautiful moments that can happen at one-on-one. And uh, here's the first one. It's what I call the angle, the powerful angle of the teachable moment. 
Now, you all know what it's like when you're preaching and you preach and man, people are getting it and maybe you get some good response and you know, people get convicted and come to an altar or you know, make decisions, whatever, however it works in your when your church. Uh, but there's a powerful thing that can happen a one-on-one. And this is it's where it it's it's really the truth of God's word comes in. The pulpit stuff comes this way, and the truth of advice and counsel and one-on-one can come the other way, and it is that angle of the teachable moment. It's that time when it just clicks for somebody, and you are face-to-face from them, sitting across, you know, from a coffee cup, or, you, you know, you're just, you know, talking after church somewhere, but it is one of those things that kind of comes, boom, and it hits you, and you make, or in this case, the, the person that you're talking to makes that very powerful, powerful decision, one of those major steps in their life, and had nothing to do with a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, Wednesday night service. It had everything to do with you being a people person and taking time to talk and listen and to speak into their life. You might have heard that phrase, speak into it. Let me tell you a story of what happened to me. <clears throat> I was a young believer. Uh, if even that, this all happened around the first summer I got saved way back in 1978. And uh, so I can't tell you if this story happened right before or right after. It was just kind of right in, in that moment. But a guy spoke into my life. The church that I was attracted to, and I'd never been to a Bible-believing Baptist-type church in my entire life, and I was invited to go to one, another long story. I was accepted right away. I was already out of college, and the college group kind of took me under their wing, and we had pizza, and friendships were made, and it was just a wonderful, wonderful thing, and I started to immerse myself in the church. Several of the college-age guys and a few of the high school kids and a few of the adults uh, played at the church in, in, on a softball league that they had. And this was a very, very informal softball league, okay? Little town, but it was just two or three teams around town. They kind of played each other, and I don't even remember if they were other churches or who we played. But I was kind of a lonely college guy, unmarried at the time. I just needed something special to do in, you know, on Tuesday nights or whatever night they had their practice. So they'd have, like, practice on Tuesday we'll say game on Friday. And so I made the practices. I was there and uh, it was a lot of fun. And like I say, there was hardly enough people to even make up, you know, the nine people of a, uh, of a team there. Uh, but we had a good time. And then we played some, played some games and we had a good time there. And I made the practice and I made it to the, the whatchamacallit, you know, the regular games when they were there. There was a guy that was on the team that really shouldn't have been. He was very unathletic, uh, and he had had cerebral palsy as a kid, and he was a youth pastor at the church and kind of the music guy. His name was Teddy, awesome guy. And he he kind of walked funny because he had legs braces, and he would get up there to bat, and you know he always would get thrown out at first and all that. But he was so he was he made the game fun. He made it powerful, and he was also like say the music and youth guy at the church. And he spoke into my life in a very special way. And here's what happened. Um, I, I was a ranching farm boy at the time and feeding animals and doing all this stuff. Making church, making it to church on time was just something that was hard to do. I was not really raised that way. And so I didn't get to church on time always. And I was in this guy's class because I was sort of with the college-age kids. That's what he taught. And one day he pulled me aside, and I don't remember 
when it was. It probably would have been right about the the time end of the summer, probably because I'm assuming we played ball during the summer, and I got saved right in the end of that summer. So he pulled me aside and he said, "Mike, he says I noticed something. He says, you know, you often don't make it in time for us on a school class or even for church because of you know things that you got. And I understand you're busy and you're farm guy and all that." He says, but I've noticed something. He says, you make it to every softball practice on time, and you make it to all our games on time. And, you know, it might be something for you to just kind of think about, that there is a priority there that church probably is more important than softball. I'm telling you, pierce my heart. Okay, he said it in a loving, kind way, but it was one-on-one teachable moment communication that changed my life. I mean, this was a pivotal moment in my life. This was the year that it all came together for me. And I am so thankful that he was not just a teacher or a preacher, but he had one-on-one skills. And pastor, if you are a church leader, wherever, whatever level you are, okay, don't miss out on being a people person. And it may be difficult for you, and it may be hard, but and we'll talk about a couple things that help and make it easier. But don't miss out because you are going to see those joyful moments. And my, I owe so much of my ministry and so much of my life to a funny little youth pastor guy that walked real funny way back in 1978, on the summer of 78, that's when it would have been, and he spoke into my life. And the teachable moment was that other angle from the preaching. Got the preaching, but also got the teachable moment. So powerful, powerful lesson there. I want to make sure that you get that. Another thing that you you miss out on, okay, when you're not a people person out, a people person, is you you miss out on being like the functional Jesus, okay? And this is what I call a functional Jesus, not theological Jesus, not caring Jesus, not the eternal Jesus and all, all of those things. And, and you may be like Jesus in so many ways, and I trust you are, that you're forgiving, you're loving, you're preaching, you speak truth to power, you know, all the things that he did. But Jesus had a functional side of him that we can't forget, and that is he took time. When he was like healing somebody, many times there was conversation going on. Okay, and you know, he's talking to them one on one. It wasn't just a preaching time. Many time with his antagonists, with the guys that are against him, the Pharisees, Sadducees, there was conversational moments that were going on. And of course, his discipleship, many, many times, he was just sitting with the guys and talking to them, and whom do men say that I am? And, you know, tell me, Peter, what do you think? And da da da. All of that kind of stuff. We need to be like Jesus in his theology, in his holiness, in his separation, all of those kind of things. And he was a powerful preacher. Be like Jesus that way too. But we need to be like the functional Jesus. And he spent a good amount of his time talking to people within four or five feet of them, okay, very close to them. Uh, And again, not the straight rows pulpit type stuff, but just conversations. And that is a powerful portion of discipleship. And pastor, if you think that you can totally disciple people from the pulpit, you're mistaken. It has to be, there has to be a level of one-on-one that is, is there. And just like you sharpen up your pulpiteering skills and your study and all that, we need to sharpen up our one-on-one people skills, those relational skills, or we're going to miss out on being like the Lord himself. He was very good at this. So let me move on to the last one here. 
Okay, uh, just a, the third one here. Got three of them here. The first one was you missed that powerful angle of, of the teachable moment. You miss being like a functional Jesus. And I wrote down this too. You miss the power. And if you if you're not a people person, you miss the power of empowerment. You miss the power of empowering somebody and. Really, again, this kind of goes back to this first one, but kind of speaking into their life in a in a powerful way, and being the person that looks at them and believes in them as an individual. As a pastor, you look out to your hundreds of people, dozens of people, whatever it happens to be, but they know that there's other people in the crowd there. But when you spend time with them one on one, they are understanding that you are putting something into their life and you are empowering them and you are speaking into their life and you are building them up and you are encouraging them and you are looking at them and and, and we need to do this look at people and go man I I can see where you can go you are growing you are maturing you are and there may be times when you have to say you need to like the guy did to me you're not making it to church on time but that was empowering to me. He spoke into my life. And when you look at people individually, are you seeing them as like the, you know, numeral 10? I mean, they're tens. They're not ones or zeros. Okay. The big zero loser, you know, that kind of thing. They are tens. And, and you can do that on a one-on-one thing. I think Jesus looked at Peter and said, man, this guy someday is going to lead this whole thing. Okay. And he knew, I mean, he had a knowledge of foresight there that we don't have but he looked and saw that but there was times when he could have been really down on on peter and could have saw him as a loser and could have and he did rebuke him at some times but folks i believe he looked at him and saw him and believed in him and that and peter saw that constantly and peter then became every time he stepped up stepped up stepped up and improved in his life this idea of of having high expectations of a person and then and then coaching them they say that the nfl really good nfl coaches are the ones that can take some of these younger guys and remember these coaches sometimes are twice the age of these guys three times or more of the age of these guys but they're able to take a 22 23 year old guy and build them up and and obviously they're sharpening them they're correcting them they're saying don't do it this way but do it this way and when you do it this way man you're going to shine you're going to do good you can really see people as tens and i think a pastor uh, a church leader sunday school teacher needs to view people as tens i mean you just need to to view that and and that is a powerful thing now you may be stuck in a scenario where where you can't do that and, and if you've been burned a lot believe me i mean we can do that i had a friend we um did a lot of backpacking together he was a a, a police uh, chief in our community and and we helped, we ministered together um believer great guy came to church here and we would take kids out and go backpacking and do all sorts of fun stuff. It was great. And we had the opportunity to just kind of lay it up and look at the stars at night, you know, and have these deep conversations about things. And one of the things I found out about policemen and people who are involved in law enforcement, and I'm not saying anything bad if you're involved in that. I, I don't want to say anything bad in this way. But this guy kind of brought this to, to light for me. It's very difficult because his profession, he was always, because of his profession, he was always suspicious. He was always kind of looking at people as if they, you know, might have 
done something wrong or their tags were expired on their car or whatever. And it was it was a, a difficult thing for him. And, and I was always like encouraging. I said, hey, that guy's a 10. He's like, oh, no, I think he's a shoplifter. You know, I, you know, I think he's, you know, it's like, and we had, a, you know, a lot of good uh, fun kind of discussions with it in a way. And he, he really was a positive guy and is involved in ministry now doing a great job. Um, but this is the idea of constantly looking at the negative. Oh, they just come to church because they just come here when we do the food ministry, you know. They just come and eat lots of donuts every morning, or here's what I hear all the time, okay. They just come on Christmas and Easter. Well, let me tell you something. There's some people that on this Easter or this Christmas, whenever's coming up, whenever you're watching this, they're going to get saved and get their life changed, and it's going to be the remarkablest, most dynamic day of their life, and their life's going to be changed forever because they came to church on Easter. So it's the idea of just, uh, you know, always looking at people in the negative. You know, they're always asking for money. They're always doing that kind of stuff. Pastor, if you have low expectations, you know, of, of people, bad, bad, bad. I mean, you got to change that. you got to look into people and empower people. you got to see what an amazing grace can do. Imagine if John Newton, the great author there of, of Amazing Grace, if someone had just spoken down upon him all the time. No, someone showed him the amazing grace, and he became a, this tremendous preacher and, of course, wrote this great song for us. Now, here's a, a little thing I wrote down. Never verbalize low expe- expectations to other people. Now, you're going to have them, and I'm going to have them. And, and I have worked with so many drug addicts and alcohol people and people that are addicted to porn and all that, and I know the percentages sometimes are, are not good. In other words, they're, they're, they're not going to happen. But I do not verbalize that ever anywhere. You always, always speak positively of other people and say, hey, you're doing a great job, and let's, let's move forward here and help them. And you can, it doesn't mean you can't rebuke them and help them and some of that, but you don't say they're never going to be anything, okay? We need to make sure that as a one-on-one person that we're taking that opposite tack, that, we're, that we are the person that, you know, we're the most encouraging person that some of our church members run into. We're the person that believes in them when no one else believes in them. We're the person that loves them and takes them through the hard times. We're the one that gave them the Bible verses and all the way through all that stuff. So uh, those are those are my points here. Uh, summary. All right. <clears throat> you miss a lot by not being a people person, okay? So uh, communication here. This is all about communication. So number one, put yourself in the right venue. Get yourself face-to-face with a lot of people and i mean within four or five feet of them that's what that means not straight rows and don't think you can disciple and pull it all off on a a, a sunday night service or whatever i i was talking to a pastor once and about discipleship and you know he's he's a pulpiteer he loves to preach and it's like well when do you do your discipleship when when does the discipleship happen well we disciple every sunday night at 6 30 you know to 7 30 or whatever you know he was like that's when our preaching is and yes you can disciple and give some head knowledge but there is nothing like putting yourself face-to-face in front of other people, okay? Make sure that you adjust your your talking-listening ratio, (laughs) all right? And this is hard because, Pastor, as a preacher, you're fulfilled and you're looked on by being the speaker, by the guy that talks all the time. And the typical Sunday morning sermon, nobody ever answers back. So that means you're not listening, okay? But if you're going to disciple people and be a one-on-one person, you 
need to listen better and more often. So put yourself in a venue where you can listen better and then adjust that that ratio of listening to advice giving. We are professional advice givers, and sometimes we just got to whoa, really back that down, listen a lot more, and then give, you know, give counsel. I mean, obviously, it's a biblical thing, okay, but don't consume the whole time was speaking. And then the last one I wrote here was just this idea of empower, catch people doing things right and encourage uh, the, the, that discipleship and catch them going the right thing and, and get them going in, in the way. And by the way, when you listen to them, you find out what their needs are rather than what your what is on your heart. Now, this is a really difficult thing, and I'll just kind of finish uh, with this, and then I've got just a, a quick announcement for you for what's coming up next time and i've got my freebie here too i got something to uh to give you that's going to be really helpful for your easter services uh that are coming up uh and you might be listening to this in december so uh but it'd be work for next easter so um but here's this idea okay just because you've been studying something doesn't mean that's what people need okay you need to listen find out what their needs are and find out, I like, for example, maybe I've studied over and over and over on, let's pick an Old Testament book, uh, Jonah, and I got Jonah down, and man, he ran from God, and he needed to come back. And then I get to do a little one-on-one, and I found out that the person is having struggle with their seven-year-old who lies to them all the time, okay? I can't squeeze Jonah into that. I need to listen and give advice to someone who has a seven-year-old that lies to them, and that's the one-on-one. Okay, that'll help. So make sure that you don't take everything that you have studied that week and put that into your conversations. Very, very important thing. So, um, all right, uh, here we go. Uh, next week, we're going to be covering uh, what I call managerial communications. And this is kind of the concept. This is really important stuff. As I am trying to help many of our churches uh, build ministry teams, you're involved in teamwork. In fact, I just faxed some stuff off today uh, to a guy uh, for, uh, you know, some training we got coming coming up here on uh, building the ministerial teams, the expectations of a team member, all the different stuff, the wins, what it looks like. I want to talk about that, and we're going to talk about the communication, the kind of communication that a coach would be giving in a locker room during halftime. I mean, this is, uh, you know, some powerful kind of motivational stuff, but it's also kind of, hey, we got to sharpen up here, we got to change here, we got to tweak here, we got to do this, and here's we got to go, boom. All right, so it's that managerial kind of communication that needs to happen. And then... And uh, last of all, uh, this is uh, something I will put the link to this in the notes. This is our Easter cheat sheet. And this are six great ideas to help you have an awesome Easter, uh, the most awesomest okay, Easter you have ever had. Okay, got some great stuff here. Uh, it's three different pages, PDF stuff uh, that would be helpful to you. Things that we have done, every one of these are practitioner things. We've done them all. And uh, so anyway, going to give that to you. Be in the notes at the bottom. You can pick up the Easter challenge cheat sheet that will help you out so thank you so much for being with us here make sure you hit the little subscribe button over there in the corner that corner whichever corner it is uh, appreciate uh, appreciate every one of you that have done that and subscribe and hit the like button and pass these things on and share this stuff you are my friend i appreciate this and this helps it helps other churches it really does we've seen more and more traction here lately uh, on youtube and on our podcast and our mailing list is growing like crazy uh, and all of that stuff because you guys are promoting this and helping other churches so in a way you're really helping other 
other churches. You're helping create other flourishing churches, other parts of the world. And uh, just got a uh, guy the other day contact me from Great Britain. Very excited about that. So uh, anyway, God bless you. This is Mike here. Don't forget next week, we're going to talk about that locker room halftime talk and uh, how to do that kind of stuff. But God bless. We will see you next week on the Better Sundays podcast.